After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal! Okay, fellas, we are set to go. Let's go! We are kicking. Watch the blue! Yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah, baby. Number 47 for Boston. Both guys, five minutes each for fighting! Please move it! Please move it! Please move it! Please move it! We are only days away from the start of a new NHL season. The World Junior Championships have now concluded, and this is another edition of the Scouting the Refs podcast powered by Team Stripes. I'm feeling good. Hockey's coming back. Games are being played, training camps. We're going to have a little bit of who's playing for which team this year when the NHL gets going. But the good news is all the refs are coming back, Josh. They are. We had a few retirements, but for the most part, it's the same crew as last year. Love them. Hate them. They're coming back. (laughs) And we'll tell you how to pronounce all their names as well. Scutting the Rest podcast, powered by Team Stripes, your source for officiating equipment, training tools, and more, check them out online, goteamstripes.com. We welcome your comments, your questions, your feedback. Go ahead, chirp us if you like. On social media, you can follow Josh at Scouting the Refs on Twitter and on Instagram. You can follow me at Todd Lewis Sports on Twitter and Instagram as well. As I mentioned, World Juniors over. Congratulations, Team USA. A really terrific game. And a really terrific win by Team USA. And I know you've benefited a little bit from that. I did, yeah. I had a, I had a cross-border wager going on, much like the mayors often do of towns in the championship. friend of mine in, in Toronto and uh, me here in the U.S., we were going to send a care package of country-related goods to whomever won. So I know I've got some maple syrup headed my way, among other things. Very nice. That's <laughs> very nice when you can profit like this. NHL training camps are coming. Regular season begins soon. New sponsors are appearing out of nowhere on everything. We'll talk a little bit more about sponsors and more. Before we go too much further, though, how about a shout-out for the mic'd up piece that you can see on the ScoutingTheRefs.com website, and I know you put it out on social media as well. I thought that was just a wonderful culmination of clips about the World Junior Championships. I've been enjoying those pre-puck drop comments from these guys. Uh, Just having a little fun out there, you know, nice of the IHF to do that and give them that opportunity. And I'm sure for these guys, a lot of fun to sit in the locker room and come up with, you know, what are you going to say before you drop the puck? And <laughs> what, what kind of fun thing do you have to get these guys started? So, you know, nice, nice to let them show a little personality. That is something that has often been talked about with all sports, but the NHL in particular, in being able to illustrate and show more personality. It's talked about with the players. Why don't we see more of it? Because the NHL and hockey is such a team-focused sport and game. No one really wants to step outside of the, the, the box. But we get to see it from the officials. And maybe this is a resource that should be tapped a little more by the National Hockey League. All of these officials have gone through long journeys to become members of the National Hockey League, be it a uh, linesman or a referee. They have stories to tell. We should be hearing those stories because it will help grow the fraternity and help future officials as well. Absolutely. And and not only that, but for the, the fans or for the folks that aren't necessarily officials, don't have that background, you know, it, it pulls the curtain back a little bit and shows 
some of what goes on and it makes everybody a little more relatable and, and a little more a little more human to understand of, of what's going on and uh, between the stories and what they've been through and what it's like to share that and and then just to have a little fun like like these guys got to before the start of each game yeah yeah, I, th I think it was wonderful, and it, it really illustrates the communication that goes on as well. We've talked about this a number of times, but it's so important for players out on the ice to be able to hear the officials, to hear the referees telling them to move the puck, or that's not a penalty, or why they didn't call a penalty. Communication is so important. It is, and it's something I think we've had a better look at with everything going on without fans being there. Because even when the guys aren't mic'd up, the microphones are picking up the action on the ice and they're picking up some of what the officials are yelling. You don't have that crowd noise to get in the way so you can hear what's going on. And at the NHL level, I mean, everybody's professional. These guys have had long careers. Even the, the players know what to expect. So it's a little bit different. It's the same idea. But at the international level, especially at, at something like the World Juniors, you know, there's not that familiarity. And sometimes there's language barriers. But you know, you hear that same level of communication of the officials telling the guys, you know, what's going on and hearing the chatter along the boards or the comments there, letting guys know when they were close to taking a penalty or why a penalty wasn't called. So that goes on. And, you know, I think this tournament gave us a good opportunity to to see that as well when the guys were mic'd up. And sometimes if you were listening closely, even when they weren't. A couple of things that we will, I suspect, have as a bit of a theme going for the next few weeks. In our first episode, we talked about offside rules, and we're going to talk about offside again. The change, of course, has been made in the National Hockey League for this coming season and how the rule will be enforced. In the Canada-Russia game the other day, we got an excellent illustration of how I believe this change is really not going to fix the problem. But we'll we'll get to all that in a second. What happened was there was a play in the second period. Canada was up 4-0 at the time. The Russians scored a power play goal. Team Canada challenged that the play was offside when the Russians entered the zone some 10 minutes before the goal went in and uh, <laughs> the whistle finally blew. Now, now, Ray Ferraro of TSN, who was doing the the analysis on the on the game that I was watching, he he, he doesn't like that they go back that far, and that's a, that's a whole other discussion. I don't know how you pick an arbitrary point like after 30 seconds, it can't be you can't challenge for for offside. I don't think you can ever do that. But first off, the the rule in the IIHF is different than it is going to be this coming season in the NHL. That's correct. We've got the NHL rule from years past. We've got the NHL rule for the upcoming season. Then we've got yeah. what the IIHF is doing. So you've got some different offside standards there. And that makes it tricky for those watching at home who might not be as familiar with the specific rule books to say, hey, that shouldn't have been offside. Well, in the NHL, maybe not. But in the IIHF, maybe it should. Because in this case, the Russian player entered the zone the IIHF rule is very specific in rule number 81, which is your onside exceptions. If the puck carrier maintains control of the puck while his skates cross the blue line, he is onside, provided he had control of the puck with both skates in the neutral zone, and that he, and here's the critical part for Team Russia, kept the puck on his stick until the puck fully crossed the blue line. Ah. So that didn't apply to this. The puck was not on his stick. So from a IIHF standpoint, this was an easy one. This is cut and dry. This is a black or white call that is obviously the right call being made under those rules. If you look at the other rule books, things get a little bit different. You know, under Hockey Canada rules, he may have had control and possession of the puck, but he picked up that back skate. So it was the skate coming off the ice that put him offside, which would make that an offside play. 
And the best one, Todd, and the one most people would be familiar with is the NHL rule. Yes. Which says a player controlling the puck who crosses the line ahead of the puck shall not be considered offside provided he had possession and control of the puck prior to his skates crossing the edge of the blue line. This one? Clear. <laughs> is, that, is that clear for you? Clear as mud, yeah. <laughs> because while the IIHF does define possession and control, the NHL doesn't. So if this play happened under <laughs> NHL guidelines, we'd be going to a coach's challenge and this would be up to the linesman and to the NHL situation room to make that judgment call on whether the Russian player had possession and control at the time the puck completely crossed the blue line. So we go from a black or white rule to under NHL guidelines, what would be an interpretation of what's written without a clear definition of possession and control. So, oy, there's an opportunity <laughs> for something to fix. <laughs> so my immediate question is, how can you have control if you do not have possession. I'm glad you asked that, because while I can't have the NHL definition, the IIHF actually does specify that. So possession is when you're stick handling. In this case, to have possession on this onside play, the puck would have to be on your stick. Right. It, you could be stick handling with the puck. You could be intentionally directing the puck to a teammate. You have possession of the puck. Control of the puck is extended possession. So again, stick handling, using your hands or your feet to maintain possession of the puck. So kicking the puck with your skate is maintaining control of the puck. So they've got some guidelines around there in, in under their definitions. He would have control of the puck. It looked like he kicked it intentionally with his skate. So I would deem that he did have control. Problem is rule 81 specifically says the puck has to be on his stick at that time. Okay. So this is a specific break in the rule. So that clears up why this was called uh, ruled an offside on the challenge. And that makes sense. The other aspect of this, the Russian players skate was in the air as it was crossing the blue line, but then he put his skate down onto the ice. And I don't know, it was 50-50 whether it was actually touching the line or not. But I, th I think this is an illustration of how this is maybe going to be a problem with, with the National Hockey League as well. When, when did the skate go up in the air? When did the skate come down? Is, it, is, the, is the skate actually breaking the plane of the blue line as it extends up? I, I just think that we're, we're not necessarily solving the issue that we've had. We're just changing it. Yeah, that's, that's something that these guys are going to be looking for. And you've got that linesman positioned right there on the blue line. You've got to hope he's not boxed out by a, another player. So he's got a clear line of sight down the line. And then the same thing applies to those replay cameras. If you need to determine not whether the skate was on the ice, but did it break the plane, we have no visual reference. Once you get above ice level, you don't have a line to compare against. If you're not dead on straight down the line, looking at where the blue line comes up the boards there. So like you said, Todd, it's shifting the problem. It's not necessarily fixing it. It's just changing what the review is going to be. So another challenge and something that we'll see frustration with. It won't be frustration on whether the skate was on the ice. It will be in determining whether or not it broke the plane, which is something we didn't do above ice level prior to this season. And just to put a bow on this whole offside and challenge thing, I don't believe that you can determine, well, if the play has been in the zone for 30 seconds, you can't challenge for offside any further. I think it has to be an all or nothing. I agree. I think you can look at a logical break, you know, clearing the zone. Okay, then we're not going to do it, obviously. Right. A change in possession. I can, I can do a change in possession. If the defending team gets possession of the puck, you can no longer challenge after that. That would work for me. But to put an arbitrary time on it, now we're going to be reviewing 
Well, okay, the goal was scored at this time. Let's go back and, and see how many seconds expired. And does it really make a difference to, to make the wrong call at 30.2 seconds versus <laughs> 29.8? If you're going to make the call and you're going to review it, you, you want to get it right. And change of possession is somewhat of an arbitrary call as that, well, too, as we see oh, on yeah. the delayed penalty thing. So that doesn't necessarily wash. Okay, I think we've covered enough offside because I suspect that this is going to be a topic going forward, don't you? I'm just debating on which, which game it's going to be or which day. We have our first skate in the air. <laughs> the Scouting the Rest podcast is powered by Team Stripes. GoTeamStripes.com is the website to check out for officiating equipment, tools, and much, much more. Okay, another uh, another item before we leave the World Juniors completely. I'd love the congratulations to the teams on social media that you put out. The on-ice officials for the bronze medal game, the gold medal game at the World Juniors. I, I think that was a really nice touch. And as we've talked about just with the offsides, Different rules apply to different jurisdictions, and one of them that I noticed in last night's gold medal game was the face-off rule being discussed, that a face-off must be initiated with a stick battle, which is a difference in the IIHF versus the NHL, because we see centers in the National Hockey League getting very physical very quickly to try to win draws. In the IHF, it must start with a stick trying to achieve possession. What's your take on that, Todd? Do, do you like that? I or, like it. Or do you like the free-for-all in the NHL that the puck drops and it's just go time? I think that this should be adopted by the NHL because I think it will really cut down on cheating at face-offs, which there is so much of. That's a great point. You know, we, we watch guys who time the drop and skip the puck completely and, and slide in or, or block out with their body and just either kick the puck back or right. let somebody else swoop in and grab the puck off the faceoff. So it, it would change things. And I think doing that would go hand in hand with, with one of my biggest pet peeves. And it's something NHL officials have tightened up in recent years. But it's, and I know it's nitpicking, and it's probably going to drive some people nuts. Line the guys up. You know yes. what? If you can't put your feet on the hash marks and you can't line up where you need to be, skate here, skate here, stick there, toss them. I know nobody wants guys tossed out of faceoffs. It, it's frustrating. Uh, I know fans don't understand sometimes why guys are getting tossed. But start them fairly. Don't let the guys cheat. And I, I think changing this rule and making it stick contact first might go in line with that because right now it is jockeying for body position mm -hmm. but we've got marks on the ice and half the time they're they're completely ignored you've got guys already <laughs> shifting their weight you've got one skate here one skate there it may be a non-issue but if you want to standardize things and you want things to be called fairly let's use the marks we've got and, and let's enforce that and believe me guys will figure it out it's painted on the ice they, there's no it's it's pretty tough to miss you're so, right <laughs> so i you know a few guys getting tossed and and they will get it right to me that's always been one of those things on face-offs of uh, you see guys nitpicking or getting tossed they don't even have their skates lined up right and just just start there get them positioned properly and if you're going with sticks first i think that definitely changes the game on face-offs and makes it a little more skill-based than physical I agree with you that it, it will make it more skill-based. And I think maybe the other adjustment that needs to be made is all face-offs should be treated the way they are after an icing. And we see we see the center who will often immediately violate the face-off rules just to try to get a little extra time for his team to catch their breath after an icing. But what happens, they do not toss the center out. They call a face-off violation. And on the second attempt... They must get it right or it's a penalty. I think they should do that all the time. Don't toss, guys. It's a warning. Your next time you get two minutes. 
Hey, I think that's fair. I think if you do it consistently and you, and everybody knows what the criteria is, you won't have complaints. You'll have guys learning the rule. They'll they'll get the hang of it quickly. And uh, I have no issue with that. You know, I I think it would speed up the game because you will have fewer shenanigans happening at the dot. Yeah, and it's again, it provides consistency throughout the game. No, we don't do it differently on icings as we do on an offside or to start a period. This is the way it is all the time, and I think that would I think that would help make the the rules and easier to understand too. It's not it doesn't change with every every situation. Right, and 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 one other thing from a consistency standpoint that that happened last year, linesmen dropping the pucks. You know, we yep. only have a ref drop the puck to start each of the periods. Everything else is done by the linesman. So from a consistency standpoint, you know, that's a tweak that the league has already made to try to improve faceoffs is to have those guys who are specialized at doing it dropping the puck. So you know, why not carry that consistency through to all the other draws? I agree. We will have the same officials dropping the puck at the start of periods and on all other situations as we had last year in the NHL. No training camps we learned last week on our show. Now, the officials are going to be working all of the games. We still don't know exactly who's going to be stationed where, but there's no new hires, unfortunately. And I'm wondering, are there going to be taxi squads the way teams have in the NHL for this coming season? I, I'm, I'm curious because what's going to happen with the development of, of officials as well? Are we going to have guys who are called up? Are there, as I said, are there going to be taxi squads? Do we know how that's going to operate yet? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I was a bit surprised to see that there weren't any new officials being hired at this point. You know, we had some retirements last year. We saw Dan O'Halloran retire, as well as linesman Scott Driscoll, Brian Murphy, and Darren Gibbs. So we're down a few guys there. We do have a shortened season. So I'm, I'm thinking that the league could feasibly shoulder this season with the, the lower numbers. But then you've got the minor league guys. And I think that's where your taxi squad question comes in. Yeah. Depending on what's happening with the AHL, you've got, you know, 10 NHL, AHL referees, you've got five minor league linesmen that split time between the two leagues that would be potentially available and may have more time than usual. So, you know, do you make these guys available? Do you have a few assigned to each division or a few in the Canadian side and a few on the U.S. side to act as that taxi squad and either to fill in from time to time or step in if an official's unable to go or, or something like that? So I think it's a great question because you want to work these guys in. If they're not officiating at the AHL level and they don't have games there, you've got to keep them working in the NHL. Uh, we've got guys who haven't officiated for quite some time, and you don't want a guy coming off the bench, so to speak, and working his first game cold when he hasn't officiated a game in, in months. So I think that'll be a challenge. I think it's an interesting one, Todd, and one that the league is going to have to be proactive about so that if you do need to rely on these guys or if you want to help further their development, uh, the NHL may have to take some more ownership of that if you don't necessarily have a, a fully operational AHL to rely on. This is the same dilemma that teams are going through in terms of player development. What are we going to do with uh, our guys? How are we going to get them to play? There's a number of AHL teams that have opted out. They're not going to play. That's happened with the ECHL as well. So you're, you're going to have to try to find work to, to help continue the development because as you say you don't want them to stagnate you don't want their their skills to to not grow and blossom and become as 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 keen as they possibly can be right and and secession planning is something that the nhl has with their officials where they know years ahead of time who's retiring when and how that's going to break down you know we'll have a handful of officials retiring at the end of this season so you've got to have guys ready to fill that gap you know while we may be able to make it through 2021 with a short staff 
they're certainly going to need to promote and hire some guys if it's not during this season, after the season, because we will be losing a few other longtime officials there. So you've got to have those prospects ready to come in and, and those guys who are ready to take a full-time role. Yeah, this is not like the the Chicago Blackhawks have done and the New York Rangers have done where you can simply send out a letter to fans and say, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going through a, a structured rebuild of our officials. It's going to be painful for a couple of years, but then we, we hope to be able to challenge at the end of the season. I, I know some fans who would argue that the NHL officials have been undergoing a painful rebuild for decades. <laughs> yeah, true enough. Now, I also noticed that for your information, if you wish to go to scoutingtherefs.com, you can find the referee and linesman's official name pronunciation guide on the website, scoutingtherefs.com. This has been done for a number of years for players in the NHL. It's a reference guide that was started by Mike Emmerich, who I'm really going to miss this year. It's it's sad that he's not coming back for, for another season, but we wish him well and we wish him the best. And, and I'm glad that they have this for, for referees and linesmen also. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things that I think we had a few broadcasters and a couple of the guys that are, are working in the buildings who said, boy, it'd be nice to know how to pronounce these names. And there are plenty that are simple and there are a few that are a little more complicated and just between those interactions and talking to some of the officials and, and even some of their families about boy, it'd be really nice if people got this right. Uh, we, we thought it'd be a good resource. And even for the fans, if you're going to heckle these guys, you know, you've got the number on the back of the sweater. You can look up the number to see who the guy is. And at least now when you're yelling at him from the stands, eventually you can pronounce his name properly. So I, I think that's important. Like Keel slash Kyle Murchison. <laughs> oh, that always a good one. Yeah. And uh, we've, we've had a few. Uh, t- uh, Tom Chimaleski's always fun oh, to get yes. pronounced. And, and Trent Knorr, linesman. Nope, Trent Knorr. That's a hard K at the beginning. And, and if you didn't see it coming, you wouldn't expect it to be there. But, you know, those are the things that, you know, if I'm one of these guys, I, I appreciate somebody getting it right. Absolutely. And just before we go, we have seen... Helmet stickers added. We have seen the names of companies added to the four divisions this year in the National Hockey League. Where do we stand? Where will we be? Will refs get stickers on their helmets? Will they have patches on their jersey? How about something on the skates for the referees? I, I wouldn't be objecting to that. I think I think that would be unique and interesting. All oh, the skates. I You know, I hadn't heard the skates. I could I could live with the skates. I can live with the helmets. It, it's really, I think that the sweaters, I, I want to keep the stripes. I don't, I don't think I want the ad like we see in international tournaments. I don't want the big logo plastered on there. Mm-hmm. They've got some prime real estate. I think I could live with the patch like the NBA has done with their jerseys. I think a, a small patch there is manageable. I'm not sure I want to open that door to have advertising on jerseys, but I, I think I could live with it. The helmet, no, no problem. I'm, I'm fine with that. I mean, I feel like Everything is sponsored at this point anyway, so I, I can live with a few of those things. I just, I, I, from a, a an aesthetic standpoint, I, I don't want to mess with the stripes and I, I don't want to mess with the team sweaters. I just thought of another one, and we see it on game broadcasts. You sometimes actually more often hear it on radio broadcasts. I think when the referees make the penalty announcements, those could be sponsored. Oh, okay. Yeah, I could... Uh... I could go for some sponsored penalties. I wonder if some of the arenas actually do that, but we can we can have the officials get in on that, even if it's just, you know, the fights. I'd, I'd like specific types of calls to be sponsored. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's see if we can get a, a certain sponsor for each type of penalty, and then we can uh, we can figure out what, what brand would benefit or what brand aligns with, say, a slash or a trip or a hook. 
oh, I like this. I like where this is going. And the referees and, and the linesmen, I think, should benefit from this as well. I, I, yes, I could, I could definitely see them adding a little personality to those announcements when they're made, too. Number 23, two minutes for interference, but you won't have interference from this cell phone provider. Switch today. <laughs> Ah, uh, yes, we have we have opened the door, and it is all coming through now. But hey, it all adds up to more money for everyone. The Scouting the Rest podcast is powered by Team Stripes, your source for officiating equipment, training tools, apparel, and more. Check it out. GoTeamStripes.com. Be sure to subscribe to the Scouting the Refs podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Scouting the Refs, Instagram at Scouting the Refs, and visit ScoutingTheRefs.com. 